Hello everyone, welcome to another Lab News podcast. Thank you very much for being here. Now, what would you say is the question to the answer 36? It really is going to tell us something about our past and our future. So no matter what we find, we'll learn something about ourselves and, and, and where we're going. Lofty, ambitious stuff indeed. Now, that was the voice of the brilliantly interesting Professor Christopher Consolis, Professor of Astrophysics at the University of Nottingham. Now, Christopher and his team have been thinking deeply about intelligent life in the galaxy. But not content with deep thoughts, they've actually come up with an equation to estimate the number of intelligent communicating life forms that could exist in our galaxy. And the answer, well, as you may have already guessed, it's 36. Now, there's some fat in that answer. It could be less, or indeed it could be much, much more. And we get into that in our conversation. But before we get to that, I couldn't very well put out a podcast about alien intelligence without a suitably spacey sound effect. So if you'll just bear with me one moment... Perfect. Okay, so what we have there was the Cassini mission's recording of radio waves when it went around Saturn, and of course the famous Sputnik tones. So expect to hear those sprinkled liberally throughout the podcast. Because frankly, well, I'm just too weak-willed not to. But first of all, I thought it was worth asking Christopher why it was that he was attempting to find an answer to this at all. Well, it's one of the longest standing questions we've had as humans, right? Even when we first started thinking about things, probably even before recorded history, people would look at the stars and wonder, you know, what's out there? What does it all mean? Are there other people like us, other intelligent beings out there in the universe or in the galaxy or however you wanted to, to state it? So it's just one of these long-term questions that, that people have been wanting to know for thousands of years. And also it can tell us a lot about ourselves. It can tell us a lot about um, the, the basics of our existence. You know, where do we come from? Um, where are we going? And, um, you know, if you want to get religious about it, like our origins in terms of, of, of being created or, or not, um, or are we a random fluctuation in the universe, or is it something that, that will happen just in a scientific way? So there's lots of very fundamental questions that relate to trying to find and explain the existence of life throughout the, throughout the universe. And so this calculation that we publish is really one of the first attempts or the first attempt to really put on a number that gives us the number of these possible civilizations in the galaxy based on astrophysics that we've learned in the past 10 years or so, where we can actually start putting on some numbers based on some reasonable assumptions. But those assumptions essentially are that life forms the same way that we do. And now we have a number for that. And then we can compare that to what we find later on as SETI, the search for extraterrestrial intelligence goes on. We can then compare what you would expect to get on simple assumptions based on what we do get. And then you can learn something about how life, intelligent life, especially has originated throughout the uh, galaxy. 
So, as Christopher mentions, this is perhaps one of the oldest questions humans have asked themselves. And as such, this isn't the first time we've attempted to come up with a number. Back in 1961, Frank Drake came up with his famous Drake equation to estimate exactly this. So how does Christopher's equation vary from that? But what we actually did was we sort of asked the question in a way which you could have asked even without the Drake, Drake equation. So you 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 can't look at the Drake, Drake equation, but there's terms in the Drake equation that we do not use or we just set to equal to one. Like, for example, because we make an assumption that life forms, an intelligent life and communicating intelligent life forms on a planet, which is in an inhabitable zone of a star, that is, it's in a zone where things are not too hot or not too cold within a star like our own sun, and after about 5 billion years, then several of those terms, like what, what fraction of the planets which form life, form intelligent life, we set to one, but only under this condition for those stars which are of the correct age and type and metallicity. So metallicity is not part of the, uh, the Drake equation at all. And metallicity, let me explain that for people who, who aren't astronomers. Metallicity for an astronomer is any element heavier than helium. Okay, so you have hydrogen and helium are the two lightest elements. Anything heavier, we call a metal. And that's carbon, nitrogen, oxygen. So you need those to make life, at least the life that we understand. It'd be very difficult to imagine life forming out of just helium atoms, for example. So you need these metals, these carbon, nitrogen, oxygen, to form, to form life. And so we use that in our equation as well. So it's, it's, it's quite different from the Drake equation in, 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 in some ways. In the very early universe, let's say, or the very early history of the galaxy, there, were, there weren't very many of these heavy elements, so life wouldn't have been able to form. Um, so really, life could only form after some time, after some, some evolution of, of our galaxy, where you've produced these heavier elements that can form, that can form life. So it's really, a, I think, a critical part of, of, of the equation, which wasn't in the original Drake equation at all. And also knowing what is the distribution of of this metal content throughout the galaxy was completely unknown at that time in the early sixties when this kind of equation was first developed, the, the, that was completely unknown. So only recently with these very big telescope surveys published in the last five years or so, do we have a good idea of the, of this distribution of metals throughout our galaxy and different stars. So as is often the case in science, this is a case of improved instrumentation, giving us better data so that we can build out better models, ideas and theories. Now, the other factor that was very important for this equation was really a matter of self-analysis. Christopher wanted to understand how long it took not only for us to form, but to also become incredibly noisy. So there's two things that we know. We only have a sample of one ourselves, but we know it took about five billion years to get to where we are today. And also we know that we've been around for 100 years in terms of a technological civilization. That is, how long have we been transmitting uh, electromagnetic radiation into space? That is, radio waves from, from radar or from satellites, from, from television, um, radio, or lights from cities, these kind of things. This is all going into space, so in principle can be detected. And that's only been happening for about 100 years. So that's what we know. We know it took 5 billion years to get where we are, and we know that we've been able to, to be seen for about 100 years. So the question is, within those conditions, how many other life forms uh, that are intelligent communicating would you expect to see in our, in our galaxy? And drumroll, please. The answer is... 36, but I have to be clear about that, that this 36 involves an error, and that error goes from a couple of civilizations 
to uh, a couple hundred. So it's not exactly 36. That's just the uh, most likely value, let's say. But there is certainly a range. Okay, so we know the where. For the purposes of this study, the where was, of course, our galaxy. But the when, well, that was altogether more tricky. The weird thing about this is that even if you look at our own existence uh, as as, uh, intelligent life on Earth, we're only a couple hundred thousand years old. So that is very small to the lifetime of the galaxy, which is about 13.8 billion years. So how long a technical civilization lasts is an important question for this, because if it doesn't transmit things, you won't really be able to see it. There's really no other way, unless you go to a planet or somehow be able to decipher that intelligent life exists on a planet from its atmosphere. You can tell life exists, perhaps, it hasn't been done, but I think it will happen fairly soon, that life exists. But that life could be like plants and trees and, you know, very primitive life. That That's easier to find. But knowing that it's intelligent life, you have to really detect an a intelligent-made kind of signal that you can see was made by an intelligence, not just some byproduct of, of living, like um, ozone or an unequilibrium of, of elements in an atmosphere that shows there's something creating that. So if you have such a short period of time and you have a galaxy which is so old, then if you just say okay, civilizations will form randomly throughout the history of the galaxy, then it's very unlikely if, if it's just random that you will get two happening at the same time. But there's also the, the, the fact that our galaxy star formation history, and we, we know what this is, this is part of our paper two analysis. Our star formation history peaked, that is we had we formed most stars th- throughout the history of the galaxy about about, let's say, six billion years ago. So that's a very long time ago. And so if you have civilizations forming uh, in the history of the galaxy, there could have been plenty that formed, you know, 10 billion years ago, 7 billion years ago, and so on. And if those only last, even if they last for a couple, even a couple hundred million years, they would be gone by now. So if civilizations, if intelligent life forms automatically after a couple billion years, but only last for a very short period of time, and that can be a couple even a couple hundred million years, then they wouldn't be around today, simply because they would have gone extinct. So that's a real kind of sobering thought when you're doing these kind of calculations, is that we really are in in, in a very kind of mature stage of the evolution of our galaxy. So there could have been, in the past of our galaxy, civilizations that, you know, lasted for, for millions of years and, you know, did all kinds of interesting things, you know, all kind of, you know, Star Wars, Star Trek type things, who knows. And, uh, but they're gone now because they went, they went extinct. That's a possibility. Yes. Yes, it certainly is a sobering thought, isn't it? And it's a stark reminder that any civilization, however technologically advanced, is always going to be finite. Now, one of the other aspects of Christopher's work on this is distance. He's actually managed to put an estimated number of how far away an intelligent civilization would be within our galaxy. On average, he thinks that our closest intelligent neighbours will be 17,000 light years away. So 17,000 light years is extremely far. (laughs) And if you have something like the Earth with us on it, 17,000 light years away, and we're radiating into space what we are now, we would not be able to detect that from, from Earth today. That would be impossible to do. The signals would be, be too faint. 
Uh, that doesn't mean that in the future we can't do it, but right now we can't. We would have to have better radio telescopes, and, and some of those are being developed now, like the square kilometer array. So that might have some chance of finding something, um, but even so, 17,000 light years, SK might not even be able to detect something. So they're, they're really far away. If there's very few of them, and we know that there cannot be both a very long lifetime for civilizations and have many of them form, because we certainly would have seen it. So both of those things cannot be happening. Uh, sort of related to the Fermi paradox, which is this question of, you know, if aliens exist throughout the galaxy, why haven't we seen any evidence of them so far? Um, you know, where are they? You can't have both of those. You can't have a very long lifetime and have very many of them, because we would have certainly have seen something, unless, you know, of course, they could be hiding somehow, but I find that unlikely. Um, the other thing is that as a, as a uh, species on Earth, of course, we have a high technology, and we also have the ability to, to send signals into space, but we also have the ability to destroy ourselves through nuclear war, global warming, through pandemics where people don't want to wear masks, these kind of things going on, which could destroy or make us go in, extinct uh, in, in your not-too-distant future, perhaps. I you know, certainly hope not. But even if you have a technology which is very advanced, and we're, we're sort of at the beginning of that, let's say, that even if the humans or the human-like intelligent creatures, let's say, the, the intelligent aliens, even if they destroy themselves, they might, if they, if they live long enough, be able to develop a, a technology which can reproduce itself and over millions of years could easily, say, colonize a whole galaxy. But we know that hasn't happened. So there is perhaps a couple stages of this. You could have a, a technical civilization which can advance throughout, you know, take over its star uh, and then take over a couple stars and then a part of a galaxy and then a whole galaxy. And if you look at the way that human technology and, and human advancement throughout history is, we see, tend to do that. We tend to, you know, take over the planet. And now we can basically do what we want with the planet. Um, and it seems logical that we might be able to do that with the sun be able to manage to, to, to extract all the energy from the sun. So if you can do that, then you might be able to invent robots that can travel through space, let's say, um, on spaceships, and they can, you know, find a way to reproduce themselves, which doesn't seem that, that far-fetched to me with the technology we have now, that that could happen. You know, think about how much we've advanced just in the last 100 years, going from, you know, not even having cars to what we're doing today with, with uh, artificial intelligence. You know, imagine what we can do in a 1,000 years or, or 10,000 years. And that's still nothing compared to the lifetime of the galaxy. So that could happen, but then you would expect that you would see some signature of these sort of these, you know, alien bots, which are not sort of prone to the laws of evolution, but were designed by an intelligence. But we don't see that. Okay, so the idea that we're not finding any evidence of long-term existence for these intelligent life forms must have some worrying implications for our own civilization. I would say it doesn't look good for a very long-term survival for intelligence in our galaxy, if indeed uh, intelligent does exist. So the other option is that we're the only ones here, the only intelligent civilization in the entire galaxy. That's, that's the other option. But I would find that to be very strange because part of our assumptions in this paper is that the an intelligent life that we have develops in a scientific way. So if you have the right amount of gas and the right temperature, the right density, you form a star, 
Uh, you can do experiments on Earth with, with chemistry, and if you have the right elements and, and uh, molecules, you'll get you know very predictable outcome. So why not life? Why why is life different from that? And maybe it is, but this paper we wrote it is assumed that it's not. That if you have the same conditions as we do, then you will eventually, over billions of years, get a very similar type of tentacle civilization that we have. One day we will have we will have um, measured the entire galaxy in terms of looking for life, and we could say perhaps there's really nothing here except us. And that that you need to understand what that means when you have that kind of thing. So this this paper that we wrote is essentially also going to help interpret that meaning. So if you find nothing, but you expect 36 plus or minus some value, then it tells you one of two things. It tells you that the lifetime of these civilizations is extremely short and that somehow, you know, we're at the extreme end of the distribution to last, you know, whatever hundreds of years it took to do that. Uh, or that we really are a complete random fluke, right? And that would be really interesting too, because, you know, why is that? I think there's a lot, a lot to think about with that, if that was indeed the case. So we're learning about ourselves, no matter what we find, we're going to learn something about ourselves. Okay, so if that weren't lofty and ambitious enough, Christopher's gaze is actually focused now beyond the Milky Way. I think that one of the best ways of looking for intelligent life is to look for look for it in other galaxies. There's so many of these galaxies. So the chances that you have, the chances of you having something survive for a long period of time is much greater if you look for other galaxies because there's just so many of them. The only problem is that you have to not only have life exist in these galaxies, but you have to have it be much more technically, technically uh, advanced than we are simply because to find them, they would have to have some kind of like astro engineering where they're, where they're um, doing something with the galaxy. Maybe, you know, you can imagine that they, this is a crazy, crazy science fiction type stuff, but imagine that they, they take over a part of the galaxy where they're absorbing all the light from the stars or that they, they move stars, you know, perhaps they find a way to move stars so they can, you know, build a, a system of stars somewhere. So by looking at, you know, every galaxy that we can, and we can now study, you know, easily billions of these already, you know, maybe there's some signature of that in those stars. And people have done this a little bit already. There have been a couple of published papers on this and people have found nothing, but the samples that have been looked at have been really small. So you have to find a way, part of the problem is you have to understand what you could be looking for. Like what is a galaxy wide signature of astro engineering by a intelligence, which is super advanced. Uh, and that's really hard to kind of think about and imagine. You could imagine like these Dyson spheres that I talked about where the, the star's light is being absorbed. And people who have looked for those in our own galaxy and have found nothing as well. Uh, but I do think that looking in other galaxies is, is, is a better bet, simply because the amount of chances that you have to find something is much greater than if you just stick to our own galaxy or, or if you look at SETI, look at just nearby stars. So I, I, I think looking for a more advanced civilization that has taken over part of a galaxy is probably a better bet than looking for something nearby. So if we were ever to detect something that we suspect originated from intelligent life, it's likely to be outside of our galaxy. But this does beg a question. For us to be able to spot them, they have to be much more advanced than we are. In which case, won't they have spotted us first? They may not be able to get to us or let us know that they've spotted us. But we're a very noisy planet pumping out electromagnetic radiation into space. So are they sitting there having this exact conversation right now? 
It's, I would say, uh, in a way, unlikely, and I'll explain why. So this is the whole thing about this whole, the whole discussion of looking for uh, in- intelligent life is that these distances are so big that not only does it, the signal get faded, but you also have to remember that, that our signals from Earth only travel at the speed of light, right? And so if we've only been sending out signals for 100 years, then sort of the intelligent bubble around us is only 100 light years across. So our existence uh, from that kind of, uh, that we're an intelligent communicating civilization could only be seen by anything within 100 light years of us, which is really not much. It's very small volume. And that will, of course, increase as time goes on. So it's, it would be impossible, unless there's some other way that we don't know about transmitting signals, that someone in another galaxy could have seen us in terms of an intelligent species. Now, they could maybe have detected us in terms of life being on, on, on Earth, in terms of the atmosphere, because our atmosphere has been in, in, in a certain non-equilibrium now for, for, I don't know, millions of years, at least, maybe billions of years, that, that could have been detected. But intelligent life, uh, it's, I think it's unlikely that anyone could have detected us now, simply because of the sobering fact that it takes the, the time for the signals to go off into space. So there you have it, Professor Christopher Consolis there. And I have to say, I found that absolutely fascinating, but at the same time, ever so slightly depressing, this idea that even if we were to detect the signature of intelligent life, that they would be simply so far away, we would never be able to actually communicate with them. Still, there is more to take away from this research than that, and I'm going to leave the final word to Professor Consolis. It's important to do these kind of searches for this life because it really is going to tell us something about our past and our future. So no matter what we find, we'll learn something about ourselves and, and, and where we're going. And it might be able to influence the way that we think about ourselves as well, in terms of, you know, what, what are we doing as a species? Uh, where are we going? Um, should we find better ways of, of existing with each other, with, with, with our planet? And so I think it's, it's a very important thing uh, to continue and to continue thinking about.